0: You could restore it Don't all, it. all it. and rescue me from peasy. You had, you had my violence. You erased it. it, how and sex.
1: This is a jam-packed episode. I can't even believe how much we fit into it. This week on Restore-It-All, we're talking about backing up and restoring databases. We talk about the various different options that you have, pros and cons of the different options. And then in the end, we get into uh, an overview of what it takes to actually recover a database. This is a really good episode, and I think you'll enjoy it. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And I have with me my cloud backup experiment collaborator, Persana
2: Maliandi. How's it going, Persana? Good, Curtis. And how much have you spent on cloud these days? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, up. I'm probably
1: up to about $20, I think, so far, just because I keep buying little things and, you know, um, and, uh, the, the, the quickest one, you know, I tried, I did like, I tried, I tried the rsync.net cause I, I know we had those guys on here. Um, and I will say it was the, the simplest, right? Cause basically you just get it. It's a, you know, it's a destination. You can send stuff to it and it was really very straightforward. Um, the,
2: but for the amount I mean, of data I, you, know, you have, it didn't make sense
1: for the amount of data I had. It was overkill because I have a minimum charge of ten bucks a month, which is for six hundred and eighty gigabytes. Which you know, it's ten bucks a month isn't a lot, but um it just th- there are other options <laughs> that are less yeah. expensive than that. And um it was just the experiment of, of trying to. Uh, I, I'm still the the main project here is trying to figure out what's the best way to properly back up my iPhotos. This all started with a conversation on the podcast and me re- just really realizing my, for my own self that I photos, you know, that I'm not backing up my photos because, or my, my photos in my iPhone. And, uh, it used to be called iPhoto and now they just call it photos and it makes for weird internet posts because Apple, or iCloud is not a backup. It is a synchronization. Right. And so, um, I'm, I'm on, I think experiment number three. Um, and the one that I think will be the ultimate winner. I'm not going to reveal my, my thing yet, but I think it'll be the ultimate winner. And in the midst of this, I tried out a new product called, um, what is it called? I should have it here on my desktop. It's called system. Uh, it's 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 system, but it's it's like C I S D E M duplicate finder, um, mm. and it has some pretty cool technology in it where it will actually find similar photos, mm. right? Not just identical photos, but similar photos and like low and high res versions of the same photo. Um, or it you take a longer. burst yeah well a, a burst is it would be yeah it would be nearly identical photos uh but this will find so it ended up finding 1500 <laughs> similar photos and then it can it can smart select all of the dupes for you and delete them uh and i did that um anyway it's been
2: it's been uh it's been a
1: journey you know yes. as i say
2: so is your experiment going to be finished by the time we have daniel rosehill on the podcast
1: Um, yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, when are are we having him on? How how many weeks? Next week. Early next week. Next Wednesday. Mm, Might not be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like everything I try takes about a day. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Um, but speaking of modern, you know, hashtag first world problems. (laughs) I'm going to record our usual disclaimer uh, persona and I work for different companies and uh, this is not a podcast of either company. And these are our opinions, not theirs. Uh, please reach out to us at Curtis Preston at Gmail or at WC Preston on Twitter, LinkedIn and, um, and Oh, and LinkedIn. Yes. LinkedIn.com slash I N slash Mr. Backup. And you can find us and please also rate us. Uh, go to your podcast that helps other people find us. If you like the show, Help other people find it by giving us, you know, stars and whatnot. So we're in our continued back up to basics series here. We're in part three, which uh, the first part was about traditional data sources. The second is about uh, is about databases. But in that episode, we focused mainly on the architecture, the different types of databases, the different ways that they sort of exist. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about basically the, you know, the meat and potatoes, which is how you actually back up uh, databases. So- um, You don't. What's that? You don't.
2: (laughs) Said no one ever. Back
1: up the databases. (laughs) Said no one. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the only ones I I say, the only databases that I would consider valid not to be backed up are like a development database or something like that. Test, yeah. Test or dev. <clears throat> an actual dev, not, you know, sometimes dev is not dev, yeah. right? Yep. Um, so, and and I'll say that a lot of the things, in fact, many of the options that we're going to talk about really only apply to if you're hosting the database on a server or VM that you control hmm right um because you know it'll become obvious and and so those of you that that you know you're using rds or something like that um then um you know you're gonna be like well that doesn't work for me well you know if it doesn't yeah. work for you it doesn't work for you right <laughs> so w- do you remember what w- what we said was the the main pro- you know most databases are residing on files, right? There are a handful of people out there that like to use raw devices for databases.
2: Yeah. What? Especially with performance. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Most databases that are running as an application inside servers are really just a bunch of files. You know, they're stored yeah, as on files file. on the on yeah. the file system, right? Yeah. And we talked about last week that you can't just go and back those up. You were the one that, you know, you brought yeah. that up that um, I might've just edited that. So it's fresh in my mind.
2: <laughs> I was like, how do you so know you were this? The one that brought,
1: yeah. You were the one that brought that up about, um, that you can't just go back up those files. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because if you did, right. Given how databases operate and they're constantly modifying files, right. You might get a file at a different point in time than something else, or even within a file at different points in time. Cause it's yeah, not exactly. like you're taking a snapshot yeah, and then a, doing a backup. Right when you do a normal
1: exactly exactly and and even if you did take a snapshot, um, that might not be consistent, right? Yep, um, you know uh, d- d- uh, because d- 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 we. You, do you
2: want to talk about that Might not,
1: might not. <laughs> 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 I do. Yes. So, right? so so so.
2: Yeah, having worked at storage ahead. vendors, I. Yeah, having worked at storage yeah. vendors, I know some database companies are very particular to mm-hmm. say that we do not guarantee recovery from a snapshot-based copy. However, in based on experience, 95%, 99% of the time it works. But yeah, there's no guarantee because – It might not. I know. I know, I know. Well, again,
1: you're – wait, wait, wait. I'm specifically talking about taking a snapshot without doing anything special with the database.
2: Yes, that's what I'm right? talking about that's
1: too. that's yep. the scenario that' I'm, t- I'm talking about what is referred to as, uh, well, darn it, we're getting ahead of ourselves, okay? <laughs> um, so we're get, we're getting ahead of ourselves, all right so the the first uh, type of database backup is called a cold backup. Do you want to talk about that?
2: Yeah. So for a cold backup, it's probably the safest way to do a backup, right? Because you're basically shutting down the database completely. You're guaranteed to have no writes happening to your database at all during this time. And then you're basically taking your copy once you're done, or you take your snapshot and then you back up from there, whatever mechanism you want to use, right? Once that's done, then you bring the database back online and then write start again until you're 100% Hundred percent guaranteed that nothing should be going and modifying that database file while you're doing right. the backup.
1: It has the one downside. Major is... downside.
2: <laughs> the big yeah. It's great as long as no one needs to use the database during this process, right? Because you literally right. are bringing the database down, which means any applications, any clients who are connecting to that database, they're like bye bye. <laughs>
1: And, you know, I've been doing backups a long time, and I can't remember a single client that did this.
2: Yeah. Have, have you ever seen anybody do this? I've, I've never seen anyone do this.
1: Yeah. Because it, it means, it's just, it it goes back again, back in the day, um, the, the Unix, so you, so, you know, I grew up around Unix systems, right? And the the command that we used to back up the file systems back then was dump, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know what the dump man page recommended when you dump dump a file system? (laughs) No. This, it recommended that you unmount the file system (laughs) and then run dump on it. No one did that. (laughs) No. No no one did that. But this is a very safe way. And if you have... A um, you know, if you have a world where nothing is happening in IT at night, this is a completely viable way to get a solid backup of the database, right? Yep. Um, it's just like you know, like you said, it comes with with uh, one major. This is
2: a small, 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 Curtis. Small downside.
1: Yeah, small, (laughs) small. Now here, now this next one, um, it it is should be one that you might remember from your former employer, and I'm generically calling it split replica.
2: Mm. Yeah, you want to talk about that? Do you know
1: to which I'm referring to?
2: This is- Your your former employer? My former, 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 former employer? (laughs) Starts (laughs) with an E. (laughs) Yes. So this is, yeah, where you- Basically, have a replica copy, which of course everyone is going to have a replica of their database because you need that for availability, or they might be using for availability. And whenever you need to do a backup, right? You basically stop replicating, and you basically split the replica so the replica is at a point in time. You do the backup off of the replica. Once the backup is done, then you resynchronize and then continue doing your availability aspects
1: of things. (laughs) <laughs> EMC had the term BCV for this, right? The yep. business continuance volume. Yep. Um, the, business continuity this is a, another volume. another great way. Yeah, it's, yeah. What did I say? Business, oh, business continuity. Contin- yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I thought it was continuance on, on the BCV, but uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know. On the symmetrics, um, yes. On the symmetrics, yeah. It's uh, been a while. It's been, it's been a minute since I've done this. Um. And this is essentially the same thing as a cold backup, but just how you get that cold backup, right? Yeah. You stop writes for a second, you 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 split the replica, et cetera, right? Um, What's the downside though, Curtis? That's another perfectly viable way. Well, the downside uh, is cost, yeah. <laughs> right? You, know, you, you actually said everybody's got a replica. Everybody yeah. doesn't have a replica, right? Everybody has a replica maybe in Salesforce, uh, I'm sorry, uh, maybe in emc dreamland sale yeah. you know emc salesperson dreamland yeah. but uh that's the bit that's the big cost and also complexity right i remember lots of scripts um you know if the the split can fail the rejoin can fail you know but, all these kind of things it's just complexity
2: but isn't also another downside do you- the fact that when you're do- you now have to decide do i want a replica copy or do i want a backup right? For a period of time, it can be one or the other, right? Because when you split it, right. you're no longer getting updates, which means <clears> that your protection right. of that, of your production is now restricted until your backup right. is done.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you're, so you're, what's um, more important. Well,
2: you're. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say at that point, you're no worse off than people that don't have a replica, but yeah. which is, I think most people, but um, I, so I really just go back to the, the downside of that is cost and complexity. Most yeah. people, at least most people that I've worked with, didn't have the money to pay for a BCV just for the purposes of backup. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. then also they would sell you another, another system, right. Another symmetrics to replicate that too. And, uh, yeah. And, and if you needed synchronous and you could, you could end up with three symmetrics by the time you were done. Right. <laughs> Yep. Four copies of the data. You had the local, the the primary copy, the BCV, which was physically attached to that. Then you had another Symmetrics that you were replicating to- Synchronously. uh, Symmetrically, synchronously. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Replicating to synchronously. And then you could replicate asynchronously to another one. Uh, Man, that sold a lot of disk. Yep, (laughs) SRDS. in the day.
2: SRDFS and srds SRDF.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, So the next one is what I would say my usual way that I'm backing up databases, um, at least in the case of, um, you know, like Oracle. Hmm. Oracle and Informix, which is still around, um, Sybase to a lesser degree, not SQL Server. Because it didn't have this functionality, but that is this concept of hot backup mode. Does SAP
2: support in... it?
1: I don't know. Okay. Um, I never had to admin SAP, so I don't know the answer to that question. But yes, basically... I, I missed the backup. <laughs> so I'm glad. i I'll, I'll make that a social post. Um, the. Um, you know if you, if you've ever oracle uh, admin an oracle database there is this there is this command it used to you it used to be you had to say alter table space begin backup and you had to do this a table space at a time and if you don't know what a table space is it's literally the space where you put the tables right mm-hmm. um you know you have a, you have some data files that form a table space and you put tables in those table spaces we talked about that on last week's episode um but now there's an alter database uh, begin backup command. Mm-hmm. And what it does in the case of Oracle, I can speak specifically, it doesn't halt rights. I actually thought I used to think that it halt, halted rights. Yeah. It doesn't halt rights. What it does is it changes what it logs in the redo logs mm-hmm. and it, it, it logs the change blocks rather than the vector, right? Because basically it's it's storing all of the blocks that are changing while the backups are happening. Mm-hmm. So that when you uh, go to try to use these, Oracle knows that, oh, this, this backup occurred during a, to- a period when it was... Um, inconsistent. You know, in backup mode. Yeah. And so it can use those b- blocks to then... Um, to then fix the blocks that changed during the backup, yeah. in case you got them before they were changed, right? Yep. Um, and it's a it's a really cool way in that you just need a pretty basic script that you run at the time of backup. Mm-hmm. You just say alter database begin backup, and then you can back up that database however you want. We've talked about a couple ways you can you know do split shot or snapshots. You can do a regular uh file system backup which Mm -hmm. is the way that i've historically done it um and the other nice thing about this is historically you you quite often would pay extra for database backup Backup functional yeah um that's that's become a little bit less in vogue um these days but we've kind of gone with capacity-based um pricing but the it used to be that you would pay a lot extra the other um, the, the the disadvantage of this was that the DBAs couldn't really control backups, right? So uh, this was always a war between, you know, those of us that wanted to have the backup system control the backups or the DBAs control the backups.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. It's... So I never administered databases, but I visited many, many customers, and it would always be interesting getting the backup folks and the DBAs into this room at the same time. And as we talk about solutions or as I would talk about solutions, they'd be like, No, I want control of this. No, I want control because I don't trust the other guy. Yeah. Right. It's just that back and forth that goes on. And I would yeah. say it was yeah. it was notorious, especially for Oracle deployments right? I think... It was. Yeah, I don't know what that was about, but it was. Yeah. And and,
1: and yet, Oracle has, I think, the best answer that makes both sides happy. Yep. Right? Uh, we're we're going to get we're, to that in a minute. But, but
2: uh, the one thing I go ahead. think that you need to consider as a disadvantage, or just to be careful of when you are using hot backup is, I know, Curtis, you mentioned sort of logging those change blocks, right? This causes additional mm-hmm. load on your database, so you want to make mm-hmm. sure that Right. That you're not that you've sized your storage systems to account for this as well. So wherever you're storing your logs, your archived redo logs.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And it brings up a story. (laughs) Um, I know I've told this story on here before, but it's apropos to this moment. So I was at a very large oil and gas company. This is very early in my career. And they had this this database server that had never been backed up. And uh, it was a DSS system, decision support system. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know what it did, but that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. And it got a nightly upload of data from the mainframe. And mm-hmm. then the new data would be there the next day. Well, because the upload occurred at night, we couldn't do a cold backup. Mm-hmm. So I, I found out that it had never been backed up. And I'm like, guys, we have to get this backed up. And the DBA, he had a couple of really weird conceptions about the way hot backups worked. Basically the, 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 in order to do hot backups in Oracle, the database has to be running in archive log mode. Yep. Right. He had all his databases running in no archive log. What?
0: Mode.
1: Don't even get me started. So he had this weird belief that if I put the database in archive log mode, that it would cause corruption. I'm like, can you please go call Oracle support? Cause <laughs> you know, you're crazy talk. Um, and Oracle assured him that this feature that everyone uses is fine. Yeah. But then he had this other thing. What what you were alluding to was that putting the database in backup mode was going to cause an increase, a, a performance decrease on his database. And so he was going to uh, the, the the nightly loads, which were occurring at the same time as the, the backup, would uh, take significantly longer. And I ended up betting him that... Um, for for some reason what i 'm rem- remembering was that it was five percent right I, I said the backups won 't or the 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 uploads or ingest of this data wouldn 't take more than five percent longer than mm. it because it was a very documented process that happened uh, and we we did it we put it we put it in archive log mode we ran the first ever backup um, oh and by the way um, the, the the backup product that I was using. Used um, some features of Solaris that were well known to be buggy in the version yeah. of the OS that we had, so there were some patches. So we had to, we, I had to load these patches. Uh, so I had to load the patches. I had to put the. Uh, it was the the jumbo patch, the Solaris mm. jumbo patch, right? We had to load the latest one, or else when I ran the database, when I ran the backup, it would crash the server. That so would I was be. Like, I had to put on the data yeah. patch. Yeah. And, and I, and I had to put it in archive log mode. And then um, I got the first ever backup and we did the first ever uh, uh, ingest of this mainframe data while running a backup. And it took like 5.2% longer. <laughs> and so I ended up buying lunch for this guy and it, it was on like a, like a Thursday. And then over the weekend, the system crashed and we lost five disk drives cool. and I had a backup <laughs> and, you know. And so I was like, I'm cock of the walk, right? Uh. So I came in Monday morning, and and he's like, I bet, I bet you think you're something. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, kind of do, right? And he said, Well, you get no credit for saving our ass. I'm like, why? He goes, Well, for two reasons. He goes, I don't know what caused. uh, Oh, the backup caused the the (laughs) disaster. Yeah. So I think maybe the extra, the extra, you know, stuff you were doing was like exercising the disc more than they were used to. And so they failed because of that. Or maybe it was those patches you put in. Either way, I think you caused a failure. So you get no credit for saving it. And I was <laughs> like, whatever, dude. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, good times. <laughs> um, So, um, all right. So that's the hot backup mode. Oh, by the way, the, the other downside, any backup method that involves writing and maintaining custom scripts oh. it, it is not to be preferred over backup methods that don't require, it, yeah. right? Uh, I would prefer you not use a system that, that doesn't use yeah. custom scripts. Because
2: just imagine that someone forgot to add a database table into the backup script. And all this time, and it runs for a year, and everyone thinks, "Oh yeah, everything's backed up." Yeah. Until a failure happens, and it's like, "Oops, we forgot about that because no one told me."
1: See, this is why my backup scripts queried the tables, and I got a list of all the table spaces, and then I put each table space and back them up because I knew what I was doing. But you are correct; not everybody, not everyone does do Exactly. All right, uh, and then we have snap and sweep, and dump and sweep. All right. So um, Snap and Sweep, we've kind of covered, but basically the idea is uh, hopefully put your database in backup mode, then take a snapshot. And you're right. A lot of people don't. And it works 99.9% of the time. And I would say I'm even okay with that as long as we got all the transaction logs going far back as we need them to go. Right. So if last night's backup doesn't work, then, right, yeah. we can go to yesterday's backup. But I remember, 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 remember the story that I told last episode. This is this launched my career. So when I hear people go, it works 99% of the time, I'm like, well, it didn't for me. And it didn't for six weeks. Right. So this is what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> anyway. But I didn't use a snapshot. I was using dump, and I didn't unmount the file system. But yeah, so snap and sweep. And what's
2: the sweep, Persona? Basically taking it and putting it somewhere else, right? Snapshot just gives you the point in time, but it's on the same system, which, as we all know, is not a backup. So therefore, take it and then put it somewhere else, right? Move it off box, move it to a different system, right? Whatever it is, whatever mechanism you use that so when i so one of the first projects i worked at at my former employer which starts with an e was actually how can you make backups more efficient for these large databases because when you started talking about 20 terabyte or 200 terabyte database instances right at the time there was no great mechanism to back that up without sort of causing lots of pain for a lot of people and so one of the mechanisms that we created yeah. was a product or a feature called protect point, which basically took a snapshot, an application consistent snapshot on your primary storage, used different data movers to actually move that copy from storage to, at the time, a data domain appliance, right? So yeah. being able to efficiently move it, because the other problem is... Once you take that snapshot in, say, a normal case, right, you have your snapshot, now you need to sweep it somewhere else. It's normally your client who's moving it. You're now impacting your storage system. I know we talked about this in a previous podcast, right, right, about NDMP and having it done as a storage system makes a lot more sense. That's what we used to do. So we actually built a solution to move the data from primary storage, right, the EMC snapshot to a data domain system directly without requiring a client in the picture.
1: Hmm. It's both pieces of that architecture were sold by EMC. That's fascinating. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> so we'll get the next one is what I think is probably the most common backup method for databases, which is dump and sweep. You want to talk about that?
2: Yeah. So this is so most database applications support a functionality called dump, right? Which is take my database files and dump it to a location. Right. right. So Rman supports this, right? Oh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, right? Other tools do it. And similar to sort of a snapshot and sweep, right? Dump and sweep is you do a database dump somewhere and then you sweep it off and copy the files off somewhere else to get that backup copy, if you will. Right. Yeah. And so and this is another mechanism. Yeah, it, and you don't right. need any fancy tools. You don't need like this works everywhere, right? So you don't need to have a storage system that supports snapshots, right? You could be running it on a server, right, with local disk, do a local dump, and then sweep it off somewhere else to get your backup.
1: Yeah, the upsides of this is that it's very flexible yeah. and, and anybody can do it, um, you know, the, and it gives the DBAs that control that they're looking for. Uh, the downsides are many. Unfortunately, <laughs> no one cares, right? So you have to have twice as much storage, right? Um, You know, you have to have a dump location that you can back it up to. Now, what some people have done is they backed up directly to a deduplication appliance, right? Like a data domain. They get an NFS mount and they back up to that. I do not like that method either. I don't like the backups being visible directly as on an NFS mount point, but you know, whatever. Uh, Ransomware, because of ransomware, right? Um, But the... um, uh the other problem is again, that this is going to be done by some sort of custom script, some sort of scheduling system, which may or may not have any decent reporting to it, yeah. right? One of the one of the main concerns I have with dump and sweep in general is that um, the the two sides don't talk to each other., yeah. right. So the, the the sweep is happening. The backup person is running the sweep, and the DBA is running the dump. What happens if the dump fails? Yeah. The backup just keeps running,
2: thinks it's right? all fine. The it's DBA great. Doesn't,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what I've done again it's, it's just complexity, but you know I liked it. Um, was I I built into the dump script? I would work with the, the DBA to build into the dump script a file that they would touch. That would say that the backup worked or didn't mm-hmm. work or whatever. And then I would look at that file from the other side and I would know that the backup ran recently or not. And if it didn't run recently, then I would error and then I could go what, talk to the
2: DPA. But what, all that stuff is all custom scripting. Well, well you and know? what percentage of DBAs and backup people do you think actually do that mechanism, Curtis? <laughs> you know? Point, point one? Yeah, right. Most people, and, I, and yeah. I've and i actually seen this, right? So when I've talked to customers, right? Sometimes they're like, yeah, our DBA was doing dumps. We were doing sweeps. And then something happened. It wasn't coordinated. And we lost some data.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's why I don't like it, even though it's the most popular method. So the, the next um, is the second, I think the second most popular method, which is the stream to backup product, right? So this is... I'm going to get the the agent for the thing, right? I'm going to get an, an you know, in the case of Oracle, it's R-Man, right? Yeah. R- R-Man, by the way, RMAN man can do a dump, right? Yeah. Uh, R-Man can do a dump to disk. RMAN man can also basically send data to a pipe mm-hmm. that is then read by the backup product. And it can then be sent directly to wherever that backup product stores its backups, mm-hmm. whether it's the DDo device, regular disk, tape, the cloud, Right, whatever it uh, does, but hardly anybody does this. Right? <laughs>
2: what? I hope you're being sarcastic. No, I'm just
1: saying. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. I'm just. It's the second most popular, but it's but it's a distant second. It's it goes back to that to that control, yeah. right? The 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 DBAs just want to control yeah. it. Now, in the case of our man you can properly configure our man so that the DBA can run a backup whenever they want and you can run the backup whenever you want. Yep. And then you don't have to talk to each other. Yep i don't i don't mean that the, the yeah, dbas yeah. and the SAs shouldn't talk to each other but you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah. It's, it's a control thing.
2: everyone still has control and visibility right i think that's the key is yeah people want the control they don't want to give it up because it's their job on the line like if the database fails dba is like do i trust the backup team or am i going to take control and yeah. do it myself and this is why even yeah. with these tools right that the backup team and the dbas can work together. I would still see DBAs on expensive primary, tier one primary storage, take five, six database copies. Yeah, and keep it locally on production storage because they did not trust a backup team.
1: Yeah, <laughs> good times. Yeah, yeah. The The biggest advantage to this is, well, the two, one is that you don't have to have that extra storage, but a lot of people end up having it anyway. Uh, but the biggest advantage here is no custom scripting. Yep. Right? Put the agent where it's supposed to be. uh, Connect it. It's used like a DLL or something, and then it talks to the the backup system. And then you get all the reporting, everything end to end. That's why I like it. I I think it's a better design. But I know why the other guys do the other thing. Um, and then just real quick, I'm just going to cover them real quick because we're we're going to be too long. Uh, Transaction log backup, making sure that you know if you have a transaction log database, making sure that that's included in the backup. because especially if you're doing a hot backup, you need those transaction logs during the time of the backup, or you're not going to be able to to get it. And also you need those transaction logs to roll your backup forward to the current point in time. Right. And then the master file, right. The control file in Oracle, the, the master database in SQL, uh, et cetera. Right. Yeah. There are all these other
2: things that you need as well. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, so the next we have is backing up paths and serverless databases. Um, this is, um, I think that things, times have changed even as, as I, (laughs) you know, since I wrote the book, there's dump and sweep there too, right? Uh, there's also integrated backup as a service, right? Um, so like when you think about like RDS or DynamoDB, Mm -hmm. how do, how do people
2: back those up today? I think they just predominantly use AWS's native tools, right? If I look at that, it's the yeah. cloud provider, whoever I'm using, right? Gives me the tools I need to do the functionality to backup. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah. I I don't even think many of them don't even offer the dump yeah. feature, right? I don't think yeah. you can dump uh, DynamoDB. I think anywhere. DynamoDB like now it,
2: supports dumping to S3,
1: I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, maybe. Um yeah so d- d- quite often that feature is not available yeah. uh sometimes it is it sounds like maybe uh a- amazon was sort of probably forced to yeah. come out with that they they had customer demand for it um yeah. i think i agree with you i think the most common method is the basically the the integrated backup method yeah. right in the case of aws you take snapshots those snapshots end up getting stored in s3 um you can ha- you can have those Snapshots replicated to other places, mm-hmm. uh, which you should, yep. right? That's that's the only concern that I have. If you have RDS and you're just like RDS by default has snapshots enabled, and they just run like I think they run once a day. They
2: run once a day, but, but... they're all in the same. Yeah, go ahead. But the thing you should be careful of and read carefully what they offer because each one does something different and even rds gives you different flavors depending on what database type you're using within rds um so most of them when they're doing that automated snapshot like you're talking about curtis they typically only keep it for 30 days max that's it you can't extend it beyond 30 days that's all you get so if you have retention requirements you now have to manually manage the snapshots on your own or the backups on your own um the other thing yeah go ahead go ahead the other point I was going to make is that be careful also because some tools allow you to do a backup, but they don't actually allow you to do the restore.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, Our man on RDS is yep. a perfect example of that. Yeah. So make sure you- The last time I checked anyway. Yeah.
2: So carefully read yeah. what it offers. <laughs> don't assume. Yeah. I'm going to
1: throw an idea out there, persona. Tell me what you think. Why in the hell do you need backups over 30 days of a database, of a database? What good is a backup of your database from two months ago? It's not the
2: file system, right? Can I have a... So here's where I think it could be useful. Now, I've never administered backup systems. I've never actually had to Mm -hmm. deal with recoveries like you have. Mm -hmm. But one potential I could see is, say there was a corruption, you have all the transaction logs going back, say, 60 days, you could theoretically recover the database back to 60 days and replay all the transactions to recover.
1: I think that is the edge condition of all edge conditions. I know, that's why I said, Um, but
2: did did you notice that I did not say anything about Archive because that's typically why people... (laughs) <laughs> should be keeping
1: yeah. it
0: around. Well, they, right?
1: They're like, well, they're like, well, we keep it for um, for um, um, compliance or retention. For retention or compliance or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but you're keeping a backup for yeah. compliance reasons. If you actually need that in three years, you're going to be in a world of hurt because we're going to be on Oracle version <laughs> 78. You're going to be on version 13 and you're going to be in a yep. world of hurt. If you need stuff for compliance reasons, that should be archived, which would be in like full text, not in a database format, uh, you know, that's a, that's a whole other discussion. So, um, the, the final section and, and it, and it's going to be admittedly much shorter than the previous. (laughs) Right. And and that is, and it's, it's equally as important, which is recovering the databases, but there's, um, there are, um, hang on, sorry. I'm just looking here. Um, uh, I I do in the book go into preferred, at least my preferred backup methods for for a handful of different databases. Mm -hmm. If if you want those, you know, those are available in the book. Uh, But as far as recovering traditional databases, there's essentially four steps, right? I'm just going to go through them real quick, right? Identify what's wrong, restore the data files, apply media recovery, and then start the database, right? Yeah. So, the th- this is for regular, you know, databases hosted on a, on a server. Um you you have to figure out what's wrong because you might not have to do a full recovery, right? And hopefully if you, you can, can avoid that. You can sort yeah. of st- <laughs> Like in the case of, again, I'm going to use Oracle's a lot because it's where most of my experience is. You might just find out that the control file is missing, right? Yeah. You might just find out that one data file is was deleted or corrupted and you could yep. restore just that data file. Yep. Um, anything that you can do like that, um, you know, d- 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 you know, to figure out what's wrong. Before you do any recovery, it, it's just like, you know, we talked about ransomware recovery, yeah. just like ransomware recovery. The more you can do upfront to figure out the the more time
2: it'll save you. Yeah. Yeah. Every, you don't need a hammer for everything. Full recovery. You don't need a full restore everything. Anytime something happens to your database, a lot of these database backups, right. And the database applications themselves are smart enough to recover with just smaller granularities. So once you've figured out what cause the issue right most of these database then you can actually restore whatever needs to be recovered right so like you mentioned curtis your second step was recover the data file or whatever that object is right most of the database recovery tools sort of deal with a lot of that for you so say you've found oracle has a corrupt data file right you can go to oracle rman and say recover this particular data file and it'll just pull back that one data right. file
1: right and if you used if you use dump and sweep it's a little bit different but if you used uh snap and sweep or you know one of the others where basically you have the the data files right there you can just grab them and restore them or you can you know use your database product the the really important step the database won't open at that point because now yeah. you've got you've either got a, all the files are from one point in time from last night or maybe even two days ago or you've got some files from right now and some data files which are behind and then you have to apply media recovery so this is essentially using those transaction logs to redo logs to to redo everything that happened since that backup and you you basically bring all the data files up to the same point in time Uh, and then you can
2: open the database yeah right and 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 i go ahead and i remember just going back talking about it right only once i started talking to like the application experts who are really good at backups for databases that I realized it's a two-step process. Like you said, right? One is restore and the other is recovery, right? You're restoring your data files or whatever the media is. You're recovering the database into a well-known point in time. So it can in the fourth step be brought back online.
1: And it is possible, for example, if the reason that you're restoring the database is that somebody dropped a table, Uh, or did a a DBA or, or a threat actor did something to your database, deleted a bunch of records, deleted some tables, whatever, when you do media recovery, you can typically say do media recovery up to this point in time, Mm -hmm. you know, that the date that the table was dropped at, you know, 1745. And so you, you just restore, you know, recover up to 1744. Yeah. Um, you might even do 1744 or 59, what, you know, yeah. whatever it is that, you know, when that table was dropped, you can do media recovery up to that point and it'll bring it up to a consistent point in time at that point in time. Yep. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's not an easy thing and, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's something that you practice on a regular basis, okay. just like everything else. Hopefully yeah. it's something you test and you practice, um, et cetera. So I've got, so recovering modern databases, um, you know, I've got a handful of different ways, right? So I've got the point in time recovery without media recovery. So um, some of them just don't provide it, right? So like when we talked about backing up, um, what did we talk about backing up? DynamoDB? (laughs) right? So it doesn't really have the concept of media recovery. If you want better, if you want more granularity in the restore, you just take more, uh, more snapshots snapshot. more often, yeah. right? That gives you a better RPO, right? Recovery point objective. Uh, so that that could be one option. The other option would be table-based recovery. Um, why might I want to do that?
2: Because you only care about one particular thing in the table or in the entire database instance, not everything? Well, a hint, I mentioned something that could happen a few minutes ago. oh someone dropped a table
1: yeah or exactly, uh,
2: right. or you have a malicious person who goes and deletes things
1: yes yes exactly yeah. right so it may be that the only thing wrong with your with your um system is uh, is ta- is is a table but the other reason that you might want to do this is that this is the only way to do this <laughs> some some of the backup agents or some of i'm sorry some of the Database products, the only way to back up is at the table level, right? Um, There's also node level recovery, right? So you're talking about like a multi node node database. Go ahead. I was
2: thinking like when you think about like Cassandra or MongoDB or other things like this, where you have multiple nodes, which then make up the database, right? You might have a node fail, right? And so, what's the process for bringing up and recovering a particular node?
1: Right. And and most of them, it looks like you don't really have to recover the node as much as you just have to create a new replica. Yeah. Say hey, uh, this one's dead. We're going to do this one now. And they just sort of figure that out. Yeah. That is the beauty of those mm-hmm. type, you know, of a, a scale out database. Right. Um, the, the the more common I think is going to be the, you know, the one that we it, it I'm. I'm saying it twice, but the, I have cloud level snapshot as a backup and restore method. That's a super easy restore method, though, right? Yeah. You just bring it back.
2: Assuming yeah, yeah. assuming easy that it's easy. supported. Assuming it's supported.
1: Yeah. Assuming it's supported. Yeah. Um, don't assume any of this stuff, right? To make sure oh, you're, test just, it. you're <laughs> testing this up front. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, the... So uh, I'm just gonna read this because it's it's outside, really outside of my world here, but so there's some restore uh, scenarios, depending on how the data is restored, will need to be brought consistent with the rest of the database. So you may have to restore, this is again, this is with an eventually consistent database. That's why we wanted to mention that term back in the last uh, recording. Um, if you've got an eventually consistent database, you may restore only part of that database and that it then needs to be brought consistent with the rest of the database. It, it's a bit, honestly, it's a bit uh, outside of my realm of experience. So I, um, so I just have, I just have to say that is a type of restore. And when you talk about like Cassandra and MongoDB and these these giant, uh, you know, massive databases, that I, I talk to. Um, like the folks over at Datosio that, that they, yep. you know, they back up these type of things and they're the ones that talk, that talk to me about this, where that some of the stuff that's documented in the, in the manual, that if you follow it, it could end up having to do an eventual, mm-hmm. like an eventual recovery and that it can take a really, really long time to do that. So that, that, that's sort of what I'm alluding to there. Honestly, I barely understand what, what that is myself, if you don't understand it, but here's what I'm saying is if you've got a, if you've got one of these massive scale out databases, the the big thing, the big takeaway for me from those is, please do not confuse availability with durability, right? Um, That uh, someone can still drop a table. You can still lose a number of of nodes, right? So the question is, how do we recover if somebody lost if somebody dropped a table, how do we recover if we lost whatever the number of nodes is that would take out the system? Yep. What's that solution? Because if you don't have a solution for that, uh, then you're going to be in a world of hurt if that ever happens. (laughs) Yep. Right. Some final thoughts on backing up databases. Just a few things that come to my mind. You, You mentioned one of them. If you are scripting things, make sure you built some intelligence into that script so that it will identify new databases, new table spaces, new data files, whatever it is that you're don't, please don't have a configuration file that you have to update when you make a new database. Right. Well, because things are changing and no one's going to
2: reach out to you either.
1: Yeah, exactly. What I used, uh, shoot, it's been a while. Was it (laughs) The, the, is it like, ORA.conf, like it, yeah. it was the it was the configuration file for Oracle itself, mm-hmm. right? So if you had a new database in Oracle, you would have you would add a new instance, right? Yeah. And that instance would have an instance ID. That instance ID would go into the Oracle configuration file. It's basically the Oracle version of the of the file system table, yeah. right? And so I would start there. I would read the Oracle configuration file. And I would say what you know what instances are on this, and then I would put all those instances in backup mode. Yep. Back in the day, I had to put the table spaces in backup mode. So I would log into that instance, query the instance of what the table spaces were, mm-hmm. you know, then loop through and yeah. and and do all of those put all those in backup mode. And then of course, very importantly, take them out of backup mode when you're done. Um and uh and then Add some reporting. Add lots of error checking for for things, you know, like, you know, the the aura.com file isn't where I thought it was going to be, right? Yeah. Um. Or the the SQL. I remember the they would change. Yeah, stuff would change. So just. Have error conditions built into when the when the script doesn't do what you think you're going to do. Should do,
2: yeah.
1: Have some kind of way of letting other people know. Back in the day, the only way I had was was email.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and we would just, you know, uh, send out a note, say, hey, dude, you know, something (laughs) happened over here. Come take a look at it. What What other sort of general things to can you think of?
2: I think the other thing to take away is. Whatever solution you're using for backup, right, even if you do have these automated abilities in the script, make sure the backup and the database people talk to each other. You guys don't have to be enemies. You don't have to be best buds either, right? But (laughs) at least talk to each other and make sure you're coordinated because when you start to talk about recovery and the process, right, it all starts from what do we decide up front for backup.
1: Um. Man, we covered a lot in this episode, dude. What do you think?
2: Yeah. No, I think, think we this covered is- covered enough? I think. Yeah. I always learned something new. Thinking, and I think I talked about this on the last database chapter or episode as well. It's databases are complex. If some of these things go over your head, don't worry, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of things- Hey, it goes
1: over my head sometimes, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Because I'm trying to talk about, you know, we talked about, if you go to db-engines.com, we talked about that there are, um, it, it was like 30 different database products. There's, there's th- I think it's like more 30 than 30 different types. Yeah. 30 types. Well, 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 no, it was yeah. like 30 types. Yeah. And then like a couple of hundred different databases out there and they're all different and they all, you know, they all back up different <laughs> and restore different. So just make sure you know how yours works, yeah. right? Um, and please don't let the vendor go, oh, this doesn't need to be backed up. Please don't. It hurts my ears when I hear that. Uh, so hopefully this was helpful. Um, you know, if you've got other database questions, throw them out, throw it out to us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, it's always fun.
2: Um, talking about my favorite subject. Yeah. This and no, I'm, I'm excited to hear about your experiment, Curtis, more than anything. Honestly, <laughs> I want to see what happens.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all.